All right, now you can open your Bible again to any one of those passages that we read, but what I want to talk to you about today is uh, the significance and some things that we can learn from this healing of the man that had a paralysis. Um, According to Mark and Matthew, um, we see that Jesus had once again returned to Capernaum. And there's three things for us to see today that I think will benefit us. So I'm going to give you the outline right up front so you can jot it down and you'll have it. Now, there'll be a lot of other things to write down, but this is what I want us to to look at today, these three things. First of all, I want us to see the pardon. That's number one. Number two, I want us to see the power And number three, I want us to see the praise. Those three, the pardon, the power, and the praise. Now, Mark 2 gives us more detail. We already said that than Matthew does. The they in Matthew 9, 2, uh, who bring in this crippled man, is actually four men. They're carrying him on a litter, on a bed, whatever, and they they place uh, where Jesus was preaching, the place where Jesus was preaching was so full that they had to lower this man in the bed through the roof. Now, can you imagine that? Back in those days, I'm told, and history tells us, that some of the roofs that they had in the different cities were made of tile. And those tiles could easily be removed and replaced if they had to. So it was not a great task, but it was still one that I'm sure would draw attention to anybody in the house that was underneath, where they were removing part of the roof in order to get this man to Jesus. We don't know the names of the four men. We don't know their names. Uh, but they certainly had a great desire to see something happen for this, I'm assuming, a friend of theirs. So they had a great concern for him. But what I do see in these four men, although they are nameless, I see four characteristics that all of us as Christians should display to a world of hurting people. And we live in a world where there's a lot of hurting people. And uh, we need to have these characteristics that these four men uh, demonstrated in bringing their friend to Jesus. Um, I see, first of all, in these four men, I see a strong faith, a strong faith. Uh, perhaps it started when just one guy One of the four said, we got to get this man to Jesus. Uh, For I believe he can heal him and he can give him just what he needs. He might have known a little bit of his background. He might have known why he ended up with a paralysis. Why is that? Well, we might get to that a little bit later. But not only did God heal him of this physical infirmity, but he also said, Thy sins are forgiven. 
So that has significance too. So, um, the application here. Uh, we can never really grow as a church like we should until we firmly believe that Jesus can help not only us, as he did, but other people. That needs to be priority in our minds and hearts. We must be absolutely convinced that he is the only answer to a sin-sick soul. There's no room in my discussion with anybody, although I try to be kind, when they might ask me, well, you come across like there's only one way for people to get to heaven. And depending on the circumstances, and like I said, I try to be kind, I might give a very short answer to that. Yes, you are correct. The Bible tells us that there is only one way for us to get to heaven. Now, uh, I can't go through all the other times of discussion that follow that sometimes, but we use the Bible for our answer to people like that. Amen? So that's important. The next thing that I see in these four individuals, love. I see love. Perhaps it started when one of these four said, I love this man and I cannot quite accept anything less than to bring him to Jesus who I know can make a difference. I love him that much. And whatever it takes, I'm going to make sure that happens. Will you help me? Maybe that's how it started. I don't know. But I see, I see love as a characteristic in all four of these men. I think to grow as a church, we must truly fall in love with Jesus Christ. Truly fall in love with Jesus Christ. And show his love to the souls that are lost. We need that more than ever. Then I see something else here, another characteristic. I see determination. Man, do I see determination here. Perhaps a third guy said, look, let's stop talking about it. Let's start doing something. Let's get uh, this show on the road and let's see something happen. There's always one of them in a crowd. They're determined and they just push that on and it kind of catches on. It's contagious when somebody has a determination. And of course now they finally arrive. Oh, the first thing that some people might think, oh man, what are we going to do? This crowd is so large. How are we gonna, how are we gonna get in there? So Jesus can take care of this man's problem. How are we gonna do it? I, I don't know. I, I guess we might as well go back home and hope for another day. Oh no, not Mr. Determination. We're gonna find a way. We're gonna find a way to get our friend to Jesus who has the answer. To all of his problems. Determination. 
I thank God for the people at Cornerstone Independent Baptist Church. I thank God you're here today. That's always great. Uh, And I thank God also that when you see a task that needs done, we have many people here that get the task done. That's wonderful. Uh, People like that, people that have determination, uh, they have the attitude that if we're going to get anywhere as a church, then I need to be personally responsible to see things through. To get things done that need done and to keep persistently inviting people out to church. And even although I've already gone through over the last couple of weeks or months, even during our revival services, I invited people out and they didn't come. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep doing it till I get somebody out. I remember uh, when you go out on uh, door knocking. Uh, we don't do it as much nowadays because sometimes we're restricted where we can go. But I still do it, and I remember when it was uh, at the other church, when uh, the men, sometimes 25 men, would go out on a Thursday night, and we go to different areas of Hummelstown and Hershey and Palmyra. I know that sometimes you might knock on 25 to 30 doors in one night, and maybe you'd get to talk to one person. In knocking on those 25 or 30 doors. Sometimes you might knock on those doors and not get any response whatsoever except, no thanks, bang! I've seen that happen many times. I'm surprised, surprised that my nose is not flatter than what it is. But that still, there should be a determination that we still do what God has asked us to do. Amen? And not stop and not give up. So there's that determination factor. Then I see another important characteristic. Cooperation. One man is not going to carry this guy. Two might, but that would be a lot of work. But it's always nice when you have more help and more cooperation. Amen? By the way. There probably still, I didn't look at it this morning, and I could be wrong. I hope I am. There might be still some blank spots on the help we need for Vacation Bible School. So that might mean we need a couple more people to cooperate to make the load a little bit lighter. So go on up and check out and see where you might be able to fit in on that list. Amen? Is that all right, Caleb, that I said that? Okay, right. Cooperation, that's what I see here. This man might have said, one of the four, look, we'll never succeed unless we work together as a team. That means we have to have the same goals in mind. Uh, do you know, uh, some some people uh, say, well, uh, uh, why do you have a constitution and uh, why every now and then you keep reminding people that it would be great if they joined the church? Well, the reason we have a constitution, by the way, the constitution gives us certain uh, requirements in order to be a member. Uh, and uh, certain things that it says there, uh, 
if you're going to be a member here, you have to have the same beliefs we do. We wouldn't take somebody into membership that was going to go contrary to the teaching that we teach here about the Word of God. Would that make any sense? No. So that's one of the reasons that everything in the Constitution is based on the Word of God. And so we take people into membership that agree with the Word of God and with our doctrine and our teaching. Amen? That's important. So uh, that's uh, very important as far as cooperation. Uh, do you realize, now listen to this, and this is really a no-brainer. Many people in our lives, many people in our lives will never come to Jesus until you bring them to Jesus. This man couldn't come. Four men that cared for his condition physically and perhaps even spiritually knew who to go to. And they cooperated and they brought him to Jesus. That's important. Now, the context, what we read here in Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke, uh, the context indicates that this man was sick because of personal sin. Now, let me clear one thing up. I don't want anybody to faint. Not all sickness comes into your life because of sin. Does everybody understand that? All right, nobody passed out. All right. But in this case, it was because of sin that the man was sick. That's pretty evident from what it says. Um, You see, uh, our problem is uh, not our Outward behavior, uh, that's just the symptoms. Uh, our problem is an inward condition of sin sometimes. Do we understand that? That should be clear. For this reason, now listen to this wording very carefully. This is a good word, but, but, but listen to what I'm saying about this first word here. For this reason, because of, of sin... For this reason, we do not need reformation. We need transformation. There's a difference. When a person receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, I look for a change. Now, the change isn't quite as drastic, perhaps, in a five-year-old that comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, as a 35-year-old that comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I I, I, uh, hate to bring up the same stories, but there's some people here that may not have heard this before. When I first got saved, I'm in a 7-Eleven out on 22, and I'm going out, and I see this guy walking in who I knew. I used to hang out with him all the time, and he got this big smile on his face. This was the first time I ran into him since I got saved. And he's got this smile on his face, and that turned into a grin and then a snicker. He says, I I heard what happened to you. I said, oh, wow, what happened to me? Of course, he did know some other things that happened to me. 
And uh, he says, I heard you got religion. I said, well, if you mean I got saved, received Christ as my Savior, yes, I did. And he says, I give you six months and you'll be back with the old crowd. Ha, ha, ha. And he walked off. Well, that's been quite a few years ago. And I found out when I ran into him a couple years later, and this time the smile was different. He told me he had received Jesus Christ as his Savior. And, of course, in the store, they thought we were half nuts because there you got two grown men crying and hugging each other. Man, there's something wrong there, you know. Yeah, there was something wrong, all right. We had joy in our hearts, amen? Joy in our hearts. Yeah. That's a transformation. Transformation. Uh, Matthew 12, verses 43 to 45 says this. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall be also unto this wicked generation. You know what that's a picture of? The guy that says, I'm going to clean my act up. You can't clean your act up without Jesus. You can't do that yourself. You might get better for a while, but you can't do it yourself without Jesus to help you and make a transform- transformation. Romans 12, 1 and 2. What does that say? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye, here's our word, transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There it is, a transformation. Do you know what you want your doctor to do? In fact, I think there's a TV commercial that's kind of humorous, but kind of fits right in here now. Um, when you go to your doctor and, and he says, um, oh, you got a bad cold there. Um, okay, see you later. Wait a minute, doc. Okay, it was a good diagnosis, you know, but uh, uh, did anybody ever see that commercial and say, you know, I'm not a doctor. I just, you know, give the diagnosis. What do you want the doctor to do? You, you want the do- doctor to treat, to treat the disease. You know, I want to get rid of that cold. Give me something to give me some comfort till at least it goes away. Don't they say it usually takes a cold and there's not really a cure for it. And it usually takes, you know, maybe five to seven days before it runs its course or whatever. Okay, that's fine. But give me something to give me some comfort in the, in the meantime. If you would, please, doc. You get the picture. You want your doctor to treat your disease, not just your symptoms. (laughs) You want him to treat the disease. Now, we come to our second point, the power. That was the first one we covered. 
the power, verses 3 to 5, Mark clarifies that the scribes said, Who can forgive sins but God only? Well, they're right. That's an accurate statement. Uh, They had a good question, but came up with the wrong answer. They did not accept Jesus Christ as God. You know what the problem is today with all of the religious but lost people? They will not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and the only way to heaven. That's what's wrong with the religious and lost people. That's what you were dealing here with Pharisees, Sadducees, and the religious lost. They were right that only God can forgive sin. But they were wrong when they didn't believe that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. You know what puzzles me sometimes? And uh, I, I know this might go out over internet, maybe, who knows. I'll tell you what bothers me sometimes. Um, these religious people that think they have all the right answers, but when you take them to the Word of God and you, you try to show them what the Bible says, they don't want to accept the truth of God's Word. And that's foolishness to me. Now, think about these religious people. And I think this was recorded in all three of these Gospels where we read this in an account. They were thinking these things. They weren't saying it out loud. They were thinking it. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he told them. And they still didn't get it. Now, if you told me what I was thinking, and I'm glad you can't, I would think there's something special about you. But that never entered their mind. They saw, these religious lost people, saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Because I guarantee you, they were following him around. Because they wanted to catch him. They wanted to trap him. They were aware of what he was doing. But they still wouldn't accept him for who he is. God come in the flesh. They wouldn't accept it. Uh, You cannot be a Christian. Now listen to this very closely. I have this highlighted so I wouldn't uh, miss it. You cannot be a Christian simply by believing in God. You must make a decision about Jesus Christ. There is no middle ground. You cannot be neutral about Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is God. He is. The Savior of the world. There is a difference believing in God or a God. You ask some people, do you believe there's a God? Oh, yeah, I believe there's a God. Yeah, that's the good man upstairs. And they have all kinds of descriptions of him that really sometimes is not appropriate, is it? Or he's the sugar daddy upstairs. No, no, no. You're talking about a different person 
than I know. James 2.19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Woo. Romans 10, 9 and 10. What does that say? Familiar passage. Many of, many of us have used this in soul winning, witnessing to others. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm going to tell you all about him every chance I get, even if you don't want to hear it because of what he's done for me. Amen? That's the way it should be. Uh, Verse 4 here, uh, only God can read our minds. We said that before. Only God can read our minds. Hebrews 4.13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Uh, you know, many, many people sometimes come to church carrying a burden of sin. Maybe burdens of sin. But they will not admit it to the one who already knows. Who's that? Jesus. You know, you can hide things from me. I can hide things from you. And you, when you're about ready to do something, you can act like this all you want to. Let's see. Nobody's there. Nobody's there. Nobody's there. Nobody's there. I think I'll take it. You miss someone. God. He sees and knows everything, everything. You, you're not getting away with anything, really. Not really. Okay, um, let's move on here. Uh, verses 5 to 7, uh, Jesus says, Okay, you cannot see forgiveness of sin occurring. They couldn't see it occurring right at that moment. So let me show you something you can't argue with. And he healed the man. You get it? He healed the man. Um, you know what some people say? And I've had him say this to me. I would believe uh, Jesus if he did a miracle right here now. Then I would believe in him. Really? Really? If you saw a miracle that Jesus performed, then you would believe? I wish I had a bunch of sinners here right now, because this would be a perfect illustration. You won't believe until you see a miracle from Jesus. I'd say to the sinner, look around this room. Look around this room. There's miracles right here. You don't necessarily know it, but there's miracles sitting right here, right before you. There you are. Maybe that'd be a good thing to remember when some you run into somebody and says, I want you to show me a miracle that Jesus performed, and then I'll believe. 
Stand there like this. Here it is. And if they might have known you 40 years ago, they'd say, oh, you're right there. You are a miracle. You are a miracle. The greatest of all miracles are sitting right in this place today. Amen? Amen. The greatest of miracles. There's many things in the Bible you can argue with or against. But you can't argue against a changed life. And only God can truly do that. Only God. There's a story, many of you are familiar with this. I'm sure you've heard it before. But it fits in today. There was a little girl who had been praying for her daddy. She'd been praying for him to get saved. And for a long time. And finally... He did get saved. And she went around telling everyone, my daddy got saved. My daddy got saved. Oh, she was excited. She was more excited than her dad, and he was excited. An atheist in town heard her one day, and he said, oh, that stuff's nothing more than a fairy tale. There's no such thing as being saved. And this little girl, she looked up at him, and she said to him, Sir, I don't think it's a fairy tale, but if it is, please don't tell my daddy, because since he got saved, he don't come home drunk no more. He don't beat beat up mommy anymore. And I don't even have to hide in the closet anymore. Daddy don't waste his money anymore. But sir, if it's not true, please don't tell my daddy. If you don't believe in Jesus, then how do you explain the miracles in this room? How do you explain the miracles that we observed last night at the combination of people that made up one big choir from six different churches. How do we explain the miracle of the program that many of you had the fortune to attend on Thursday night at Heritage? How do you explain that miracle? That's a miracle. And I would have to say, but I believe I know most of you, if not all of you, are you one of those miracles? If you aren't, you can be today. Then we come to our last point, the praise. Verse 8. When you look at what the pardon of Jesus and the power of Jesus have miraculously accompanied in just the lives of those sitting here in this room, it can only lead to one thing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He saved me. He changed me as only he could. And he made a difference in my life. And one day, I'm going to see him face to face. 
And today could be the day that I meet him in the air and spend eternity with him. Praise the Lord. Can I get a hallelujah? There we are. Praising God. You know what? Churches like ours, a local church, we have problems. You know why we have problems? Because we have people. Imperfect people. If you think you're perfect, let me know. I'll take you closest hospital we can find and put you on the right floor. But don't allow the problems which come up every now and then blind you or obscure your vision from what God is truly doing right here in this place and other places like it. We should have an attitude of gratitude and praise God what he's done for us and what he's doing for us in this place. Amen? Let's pray.